Hi, my name is Craig Forsyth. I was born in 1970, so you can do the math on how old I am when you listen to this. Uh, and I'm from York in North Yorkshire. I've done three rows so far, um, two of them within the Mediterranean. The first one was from Barcelona to Bosa in Sardinia. Um, it was a distance of 300 miles, but on the second day it got wiped out by a storm coming through into the Mediterranean. And we got select, uh, collected up by the um, support vessel on that one. Uh, we eventually made it across to Sardinia, which took about three days on the support vessel, which was probably the same sort of time it would have taken us to row it. And then I did a second row, which was from Sardinia to Menorca, which was about 200 miles. Uh, and that was in a team of five. Um, these bo were both in 2015. My third row was part of the Talisca Atlantic row from Lagomera to Antigua in 2020. Uh, I did that one solo. Um, it was a 3,000 miles journey and it took me 73 days, 7 hours, 2 minutes, apparently. I think I wanted to row an ocean on the back of sailing the ocean. Um, I felt quite comfortable um, when I was sailing in a round the world race with Clipper and after that, I planned to go back, and I was planning to go back in 2016 um, after doing the 13-14 round the world race. In between that time, I got contacted by somebody who wanted to set up a similar sort of rowing version of the Clipper race uh, in the Mediterranean, um, just going from port to port and racing around. Um, and he got some boats organised, uh, and he needed some got like test pilots, guinea pigs, Cannon fodder, whatever you want to refer to as, as um, to um, test it all out and see how it went. So we did that. On the back of that, I got a taste for ocean rowing and just heard about the Atlantic race because he'd done it previously and just thought, yeah, this is something that I really need to do uh, and get it on my system. So it's there. You invented a race, so I'll have a go at doing it. So that's why I wanted to do it. Yeah. I'd say it'd been a bit. Not so much of a dream, more just a, a challenge that I'd heard about. And once I kind of hear about a challenge and think that I should do it or I could do it or maybe I can't do it, then I'll just get it into my head that I'm going to do it and then we'll just keep pressing on. Um, <clears throat> so it it was it was just something that I was going to do at some point. I just think trying to fit it into my life um, and reasons to do it dictated that I ended up doing it in 2020, which probably wasn't the best year to do it because it was in the middle of COVID as it turned out, but I want to know that when I sort of booked it. Top three highlights of a crossing. I think it's difficult to just pick three out. Um, I think from the Mediterranean race, uh, when we were doing the Sardinia to Menorca one, um, a storm came through back the other way um, after the first race had been wiped out by a storm. Um, and we was a team of five. Um, we rode as a three and a two. And I was a two with a, another guy. And the team of three had got off the oars and they were 
kind of like worn out. We were rowing through this storm that had come in from our stern, so it was, it was favourable anyway, if anything else. And um, me and the other guy got on the oars, and we started rowing. And we were like normally rowing around about three and a half to four knots um, with a pair of us. Um, and we were rowing at this point, and we just saw the speedo going up constantly. It like wow you see it went to like seven knots you say, wow, that's gone up to eight knots i think the best we saw it was something like 13 8 13 point eight knots um and the sea state was pretty rough as well and, and and it was pitch black there was no moon that night either and we just all you could see at times was just the white water coming over the deck of the boat and we were trying to concentrate on keeping the boat um upright concentrate on keeping rowing in the right direction and also concentrating on the speedo just to see how fast we could get this boat surfing at and uh, that was pretty good um, I think on the Atlantic row um, the sunrises uh, uh, were, were brilliant uh, I really enjoy a sunrise it's it's a, it's a birth of a new day sun's up you know it's going to be a good day sun's shining it's it's nice um, the night skies were, were spectacular as well um, sometimes there was very little stars, but then most of the time there was just an uh, uncountable amount of stars. Um, I, I get what one of my friends who's a good stargazer, I get what he means when he, he prays for a good clear night sky. And, um, you know, and, and I got kind of interested in following the moon cycle as well, um, kind of like guessing if uh, where it would be when I came off the oars at like at the end of finishing my shift. Um, you know, and and following it going up from a, a new moon to a full moon and then back down again. That, that was quite interesting. So I guess that was another one. Um, surfing with dolphins, uh, which sounds a bit glamorous, um, but we had, we had some prevailing um, waters um, when I was in the Atlantic. And we got the boat surfing a few times. And on one of the occasions, I looked across and I could just see some dolphins and they were surfing in the top of the wave as I was surfing at the boat at the side of them. And I don't think that's something I'll, I'll probably never see again. So that's always going to live with me. Um, and then there, I think another one was in the Atlantic was um, I just I'd finished. I'd packed my oars away for the night. I was just about to climb into the cabin. I just put one foot into the cabin and then I just heard the the, the noise outside. And, and I just instinctively knew it was a, a whale of some type. And just maybe six feet down by the side of the boat, those two whales just kept coming up and just... And it was deathly calm. Um, there was a bit of moon out there. Um, so you could see him quite well. And because it was so close, you could see him pretty good too and just just i just i just sat on deck and and just watched them go by and and kind of disappearing off into the distance and i just i sat there absorbing the moment really and i guess that's another thing that's just going to sit with me uh for the rest of my days i think the hardest part physically was also the hardest part mentally um, there was a time on the race, probably when I was maybe oh, coming up to maybe halfway sort of thing, um, my water maker wasn't working at that time. Um, I think I'd gone for like three days with my water maker not working. 
um, I'd had to um, dig into some of the emergency rations of the water um, and it was getting quite concerning really that I couldn't get it going again and I've been on the phone to the, the amazing guy um, whose name I can't remember at the moment but um, yeah I, and he did everything to help me get it going he, he was just unbelievable um, I think everybody in the uh, the Rome world uses him so um, everybody will be able to know his name but I'll dig it out if anybody ever wants to get it at the same time I had a skin infection um, as well which was um, really annoying me because it was stopping me sleeping for the little bits of sleep that I was getting while I was out there um, so that was physically and mentally it was just getting me down um, the boat had seemed to have slowed down a fair bit as well and I wasn't making the mileage that I wanted to be making each day um, and I guess I was just a culmination of all those three things together and probably a few of the little bits that were annoying me just built up and ah, guess I had a little bit of a mount, meltdown. Um, I had a screaming fit for two minutes or so and phoned a couple of mates up to see if they could offer advice. They made me feel better until one of them told me it started smoking again. Um, <laughs> which like, it's really, it's weird. It just knocks you back a bit. Um, but yeah, I think that was like the worst physical and sort of mental time on it I would say that most of the other time I really enjoyed being out on the water I really enjoyed doing the rowing there was tougher days uh, and, than, than others uh, especially when it was like flat and calm but I, I you know if I look back on my rowing I just think it was a superb thing to do and I really enjoyed that Three things that I missed while at sea. I don't think I could think of three things. Um, walking, walking about, just going for a walk. Um, that was um, one thing that I definitely missed. And I didn't really notice that I missed it until I got to the other side and, and I couldn't walk. Um, but then I just, I really enjoyed going for a walk. Um, and I, I still enjoy going for a walk even more so now because I appreciate that time when I didn't when I when when I could walk but I didn't have the opportunity to go walking if that makes sense um there's a 20 foot boat and like two steps and that's it you're done uh and I probably missed not massively um because I've probably made up for it when I've got back but it was like cups of tea um I had the ability to boil water when I was there uh in the Atlantic but they just didn't seem it wasn't a necessity to have a cup of tea if I was boiling water it was to rehydrate my meals so why would I want to put my risk myself at risk to boil water and maybe scold myself or burn myself for really just a luxury of a cup of tea so I just drank water all the time and I quite enjoyed drinking that water actually eventually and yeah it was pretty good Types of training I did before rowing. Um, I think throughout 2019, I was on the row machine every day. It's not essential, but I just kind of mentally set myself that challenge of being on the row machine every day. And I just I started off in January doing 2,000. February, I did 3,000 meters a day. 
Um, then it went to four. Um, somebody just suggested, are you going to keep doing that every month? And I was, nah, 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 nah. It's, it's too much. When I get to October, you know, like December and stuff like that, it'd be ridiculous. But as soon as I'd said that, then I just continued. And come December, I was doing 13,000 every day. Um, I'd even gone on holiday. I'd found a rowing machine while I was on holiday in Australia. And I'd, I'd made sure I'd gone and done my 13,000 a day. Um, if for whatever reason I was away for a weekend, I'd have to double up the day before I went and I'd double up the days that I come back to make sure that it always averaged out how many meters, um, for that month. And I just made sure I got it, but I don't think I was essential. Um, I think there's, there's, you, you could make use of that time more so, um, because I think you can only train for the first five days of a row then once you've done them five days you've trained for the next five days you've trained for the next five days and it's it's more about the mental than the physical i think is the rowing um to be fair did you see sickness ah i think i might got a slight bit of seasickness maybe on day two of the atlantic race and probably day two of the um, Sardinia to Menorca race as well, I did uh, a little bit, but that was after that storm had been smashing us about for a few few hours. Um, but seasickness is something that you can you can you can get it in a on a calm day, and you can be in a storm and not get it one bit. Um, it's just a bit of a weird thing, um, and I think if you just kind of ignore it and you know it's going to pass. As debilitating as it can be, if you get your head around it, it's it's going to pass and you're going to be fine. Um, but then I got the usual sort of blisters on my heels, which you just ignore them. Um, my hands are pretty sore and used to having calluses because of my job. Um, so they really didn't bother me. Um, and then just the, I got a skin infection and um, the, the skin infection was on my scrotum, which... Uh, for for a guy is probably the worst place you could get a skin infection i reckon um and it at its worst it just really just felt like somebody was sticking red hot needles into that area um and it, it would just keep me awake um it stopped me getting sleep on a night um the more tired i got the more annoying it seemed to be um I went through a course of antibiotics uh, and it, it seemed to be like the salt water in that area was causing it. Um, and the only way to sort of kind of stop it would have been to get out of the environment. Um, but the, 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 the antibiotics seemed to clear it up for a while. It did come back towards the end of the race and I just had to sort of, um, sort of, monitor it and do my best to keep that area clean which i'd been doing anyway um but when you're out in the middle of the ocean trying to keep an area clear of salt water um yeah that's a difficult task um in itself really but um yeah yeah it was uh it was yeah that was probably just worse things everything else you could just it's gonna heal at some point so just kind of ignore it you decided to be there. Three songs. God, that's like asking somebody what's your favourite three songs. Um, I reckon 
Baby Jane, uh, Rod Stewart, or basically any kind of Rod Stewart song, but Baby Jane was definitely one. Um, my father had passed away sort of two years prior to the row, and I'd struggled massively to sort of um, come to terms with it. Um, and I, uh, it, it always supported me on stuff that I'd done, and not having him there just kind of, it was the first time I'd done something major without my dad being in support, really, of stuff, sort of stuff, if that makes sense. Um, and he was a big Rod Stewart fan. And if, if Baby Jane ever came on the radio, he'd be like, oh, yeah, Rod Stewart, come on, yeah, let's sing along to it and stuff like that. So whenever it came on, um, I'd always shout at the picture in my cabin, um, hey, Dad, you DJing in there again? And, um, yeah, any any Rod Stewart song, would uh, I'd be shouting that back to him in the cabin, which uh, <laughs> sounds a bit weird now um, telling other people about it. But um, f- uh, for me, it was uh, it was just funny, and it just helped pass time as well. Um, another song would have been Barcelona um, with uh, Freddie Mercury and Montserrat Caballier, I think it is. Um, for no other reason, for no other reason than... I would sing it with great gusto, totally out of tune, totally out of sync, <laughs> the, 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 the absolute inability to raise my hands when you were digging into the Barcelona sort of the uh, the song. Um, but yeah, I just didn't care. It was definitely a case of uh, sing like no one's listening because, well, out there nobody was listening. But um, yeah, that was that was two songs. I think there might be some other bits that I'll hear now and again on the radio and it just might take me back to that time. Um, but, yeah, them them two, uh, I'd say for sure, were, were yeah, I'd, I'd attribute them back to the race a little bit. Post-Adventure Blues. Yeah, I, I suffered quite badly, massively, um, with the Post-Adventure Blues, I think. Um I'm an extremely competitive person and to be the only pure boat against 25, I think, other concept boats that were always going to go faster than me. Um, you know, I, I noticed when we got, when I got tailwinds, it just seemed to have very, very little effect on my boat. Um, but then I'd seen YouTube videos of the concept boats getting tailwinds and then just cruising along at like four knots. And I never once wished I had a concept boat, but the thing of sort of taking 73 days to do a crossing that other people had done quicker, um, the competitive nature in my head just struggled to come to terms with that, I think. Um, And then I was, probably from that quite critical of myself um could i have done more when i was on sea anchor could i have tried harder i don't think i could have done because the the headwinds in my boat are just pointless um but uh, it just uh, as a result of that i just kind of avoided people when i got back um to the uk i i avoided talking to people about the rowing uh, and about the race they'd get little snippets out of me but I wouldn't really go into in depth um, yeah um, 
and that that yeah. I think one of my one of my friends set up a um a, a big Zoom meeting uh, for anybody to join, and it lasted an hour. Um, and it was just he was asking me questions about you know the rowing and and, and stuff like that, and people um people were there just like listening. And it it kind of got it all out of the way in one go, and it did it remotely, which meant I didn't have to stand in front of individuals and and talk to them about it, which. I don't really think I'm I'm over it now, but I think the best way to get over it will be just to go and do another row. Um, if not, I'll just have to deal with it again, won't I? But there we go. We'll have to do it. Advice for future rowers. Um, yeah, I think... Think of... Chat to other rowers that have done it previously um find out what problems i never ask people what you know what 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 were the best bits i i always ask them you know what were the problems that they encountered how did they deal with it think of a scenario that you might have on your boat and then think of the solution because i think if you do that and think of as many problems that you could have and as many solutions when that problem happens on your boat if it does happen then you've got the solution already worked out or you've got a solution worked out and that will make it so much easier and I think it could sort of like help you prepare because you, you'd be sort of like forewarned or forearmed um, stuff like that um, if you've got auto helm I would definitely definitely practice um, s- steering the boat in different directions without your auto helm on because i've heard of some people just like you know coming to the term you know, my auto helm's broke i'm never going to make this crossing you know the boat i did it on doesn't have auto helm it's never had auto helm i've crossed in it two of the three other people have crossed in that boat without auto helm so you don't really need auto helm so if it breaks and you know how to steer a boat without auto helm i guess you, you know you, you, you're there you're away um so and then i think the other thing is just get to be comfortable with being un- uncomfortable um out there it's a damp wet environment everything breaks my you know your phone will break your charging leads will break um and it's all just because of the environment that you're in it's the the, the salt water just kind of ruins everything and if you can just get comfortable with being uncomfortable for a lot of the time, then it's not going to be an annoyance for you. Um, and you're going to probably get a lot more out of your row uh, and you're going to enjoy it more. Um, that's for sure. Would I do it again? Most definitely. Um, would I do it as a race? Um, probably not. <clears throat> Um, would I do it? Yeah, I'd do it again, definitely. I'm, I'm planning to do it again. Um, my plan would be to do the North Atlantic next. Um, and it would be like East Coast of America back to UK. Um, partly because I'm from Yorkshire, shipping costs are quite high at the moment for moving a boat around the world. So if you do it that way, you've only got to ship it to the States and then you just wrote it back. So you've only got one shipping cost. So to me, it makes sense to do that, that race, really. Um, just if nothing else, just to um, 
make it a little bit cheaper for yourself. Um, but yeah, I would definitely, definitely do um, uh, another row. Um, if somebody wanted somebody to help them to do a row to get across, I'd, I'd probably look at doing like that. But I think if I was to do it off my own back, I would, I'd go solo each every time, um, just for that fact of you don't have to have somebody else to rely on you. So yeah, I'd probably do that. So yeah, thanks a lot. Bye.